Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. And hello, everybody, to the north, south, east, and west. Welcome back to College Football Coast to Coast. I am your host, Jacob, along with my co-host, Tyler. Tyler, how are we doing this lovely Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, exciting week. Uh, bowl season is catching up. We actually have a game going on today, actually, right this hour. We have bowling, uh, not Bowling Green, uh, Eastern Michigan and San Jose State going on. It's close back and forth game. Uh, Eastern Michigan up, so we'll definitely provide live updates. Uh, but we had some really exciting bowl games, and we have more in store this week. Yeah, Tyler hinted at those bowl games that were very exciting for us to watch this last few days. Uh, in this last week, and uh, we're going to jump right into our recap. We're going to have a quick recap here because we got a lot of bowl games to get to, folks, so uh, we're going to jump right into our recap. First up on the list of the recap is the Bahamas Bowl between Miami, Ohio, and UAB. Uh, the Blazers come out on top here. UAB holds on to a 24-20 win uh, on their lovely vacation here. We talked about our vacation games, and this was one of them. Uh, the Blazers are partying there in the Bahamas Bowl for that one. Uh, great season for them coming back, uh, just getting football back on track, uh, being you know without a program for a long time. So it's good to see them back. Miami, Ohio has always been here for the bowl season. Just a matter of what bowl they get. I believe last year they had the Lending Tree Bowl in Alabama. So it's kind of a different uh, – set up for them going to the Bahamas. I think this is much better uh, than Mobile, Alabama, but uh, they could not come out on top in this one. So all credit to UAB here, uh, a great win for them. 
Yeah, it was a great win for them, especially without their leading rusher, Dwayne McBride, did not play in this game as he's going to prepare uh, for the draft. When we get to these bowl games, uh, you know, the way that the college football season works, all these really big-name stars, uh, once we get to the New York bowl games, we'll definitely talk about that. Some big-name stars not even playing. I mean, one player not even playing football as well, so – I mean, that's just the, the story and the culture of this college football season. But what a game this was. UAB was cruising and they went up 10 to nothing. And then Miami had a chance to win it. Uh, they had almost a first and goal. They were stopped at the two-yard line. So great stop by UAB's defense. Uh, this was a really solid game. This was the first of many bowl games uh, this season. So congratulations uh, to UAB. Finish off a good season. I, I think that we can both say that this was a first-year head coach. But UAB, they did have a lot of expectations. They were veteran know that you and I had them competing for a Conference USA championship against UTSA. So all in all, a really disappointing season uh, for UAB, but still to close out a really good victory, especially like an environment like this. I'm sure that they enjoy their week-long vacation for practicing, and then they, they probably went to different places. Same thing for Miami of Ohio. They – you know, they were an okay team, uh, in the bottom feeder like they've been in recent years. Uh, but nonetheless, still a big win for UAB. Yeah, and I think, you know, you hinted on that. It, this here, you know, when you get to these games like this, uh, where you're traveling, you're on the road type thing, and it's a vacation type atmosphere, because uh, that's really what it is. It's more about a, It's more about a team building thing and a team bonding thing. Uh, for the next year, and then it's also sending out, you know, your seniors on a good note or, you know, your transfers or whatever it may be. You know, they want to finish strong and they want to enjoy their time with their teammates and things. So uh, I, I do think that both of these teams had some downfalls this year that could have been a lot better. Like you mentioned, I think both teams uh, were aiming a lot higher than this, but to make the bowl season, can't complain too much, uh, and UAB finishes on top in that one. On to our next bowl game. On the schedule, and that is the Cure Bowl. This was uh, the battle of the ranked teams now here in this one, 25 and 24. UTSA, the Roadrunners, played against the Troy Trojans in this one. I, I think this was in this was anticipated. You know, low scoring game like you had mentioned. Uh, I would I figured that UTSA was going to have no problem scoring the football in this one. Oh man, was I wrong? Uh, so very upsetting, terrible performance for UTSA. I think it says more about Troy's defense, though. Troy has a really good defense. Uh, they could match up against Power 5 schools defensively and be just fine. So uh, all the credit to them, you know, their defense has won them a lot of games this season. Uh, and the most crucial, you know, regular season game being that game at South Alabama where they hold, you know, the Jaguars to six points in a 10-6 to final. You know, I mean, that is very low-scoring ground-and-pound football. And uh, Troy does it best, better than anybody in college football uh, right now. So I, I, all the credit to the Trojans in their 18 to 12 win over over the UTSA Roadrunners. Yeah, this Troy team is built on their defense. They've seen it throughout the whole season. In week one against Ole Miss, that high-powered offense. Ole Miss only scored 28 points in that game. What was a 28 to 10 victory? So I expected this one to be more high scoring. Seeing 18 to 12 uh, was definitely bizarre, but the rain, it was raining conditions. Uh, so that definitely had a factor uh, in this bowl game. But like I mentioned, I, like you mentioned, I picked UTSA in this game. It wasn't more of not having faith in Troy. I just 
that UTSA's offense would be able to control this game. But Troy's defense, like you mentioned, you go back to that 10-6 to game, uh, which lifted Troy uh, into the Sun Belt, and they ultimately won the Sun Belt championship. They absolutely dominated Coastal Carolina uh, the couple of weeks before, now that they dominated the UTSA team. So really good season for Troy. And I mean, you would take that in. So I'm sure whenever we see the final – uh, you know, college football playoff rankings, AP poll rankings, they'll be a top 20 team for sure. I believe so. Yeah, they uh, they really have turned their season around and done really well, as a lot as have a lot of teams in the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, so a lot of things there to come from the conference as a whole, and we'll get to some other games there as well. Uh, moving on to our next one. Of course, this one here is uh, kind of a vacation, I guess. It's more of a sightseeing trip because it's played in Fenway Park. This is probably the strangest environment bowl game besides uh, maybe the one in the Bronx. I mean, that's probably your only difference. Both of these games uh, are, you know, played in baseball stadiums, iconic baseball stadiums. This one probably the most iconic of them all being at Fenway Park. Uh, The Cincinnati Bearcats and the Louisville Cardinals. I saw this coming. Um... Louisville comes out on top 24 to seven over the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, it's a different environment getting used to it. They do play on the same field. It's a wacky feeling, you know, playing football with the giant green monster in front of you. So that was a little strange watching them kick field goals at the green monster. So, uh, uh, but no, I, I think that the Cardinals really control this game from start to finish defensively, unbelievable defense for them. Uh, offensively, they did enough. Uh, Malik Cunningham did enough in order for them to win this game, and that's what he's done all season long uh, for the Cardinals. So I, I feel like Cincinnati left a lot on the table this season because of their performances late in the season. You know, that game against Tulane, I think, really shot them down after that, and I just feel like there there was no recovery after that, losing at home to a better Tulane team. Uh, I just feel like the sky is the limit for a team like Tulane and, you know, the American with Cincinnati. I believe they're – are they moving out of the American? Yeah, they are. They're, uh, Cincinnati and others like UCF, Houston, BYU is going to be making the move uh, going in and they're going to be heading into the Big 12. So that, that's really what I'm going to be interested in. How are they going to do with now Marcus Satterfield, who was the former Louisville head coach. Uh, now he's going to Cincinnati and Luke Fickle's going to Wisconsin. Uh, but – like I mentioned in this game, there was a lot of opt-outs, a lot of storylines. Uh, Louisville's head coach went to Cincinnati. And then uh, Louisville now got Jeff Braun, former Purdue uh, head coach, was definitely shocked. I definitely thought that was more of a lateral move. Uh, but resources uh, in Louisville uh, compared uh, to Purdue. Uh, we'll get into to Purdue and what their, you know, their coaching team is. You know, we're talking about Drew Brees now being there, one of their assistant coordinators uh, for one season. But – Going back to this game, I mean, like you mentioned, this game was really dominated by this Louisville team from start to finish. Malik Cunningham didn't play in this game. Cincinnati's quarterback didn't play as well. So both teams really had to rely heavily on their running game. But also Louisville, the big thing for them was they were able to control the turnover. But one question I have posed to you and to our you know, listeners and viewers of the show, like you, I know that you mentioned that this game was played at Fenway Park. Are you a fan of these bowl games played at these baseball stadiums? Um, yes and no. I would say yes because it's a different environment. It's neat to play in an old historic uh stadium. 
but at the same time, no, because some things are better left in their desired uh, sporting venues, and I think that this is one of them. Uh, it just it, it doesn't seem right. I feel like, you know, the people that <laughs> invested all of their time into a baseball park like that built in 1912, you know, I don't think they ever thought that football would be played uh, in that stadium. So it, it does seem a little uh against the against the grain type thing uh playing football in a in a baseball stadium uh and it's of course it's not made for that i mean that's there's plenty of stadiums out there uh but then again at the end of the day it's more of a you know being in that environment you see with hockey now with the winter classics you know they play in 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 baseball stadiums they played in Fenway a number of times i believe they're playing there again this year so i i think uh it's okay to a certain extent, but seeing it over and over again at the same baseball or baseball stadium, it just, it seems weird. And moving on to our next bowl game here, uh, is the Las Vegas bowl with the Florida Gators and the number 14 ranked Oregon state Beavers. Uh, this game was uh, much to be desired, folks. Uh, now, this one was a beatdown from start to finish. Uh, I saw this coming from a mile away. Florida has played like garbage uh, since the start of the season, since their win at home against Utah. You know, we the questions were up in the air. In the air, you know, is Florida going to be a competitive team this season in the SEC? Answer was no. They still make a bowl game here. I'm not sure how they make a bowl game this year. It just seemed kind of strange that they did, you know, looking at their performance this year. And for this game to be against Oregon State was weird. I just I, – I didn't understand the scheduling in this. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I felt like if there was any team that was going to be in this game from the West Coast, it was probably Oregon because uh, Oregon State is the better of the two teams, I believe. So – it just was a competitive game. Florida was completely overmatched in this one, uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, all the credit to Oregon State and the Beavers. What a fantastic season for them. 30-3 to final here as uh, they hold their own in Las Vegas. And unbelievable for them uh, in their build to the Pac-12. I mean, uh, Mark, I think, mark my words. I think that Oregon State and Colorado will be the future of the Pac-12. Uh you know, in a few years to come, I think Oregon is a lot closer than Colorado, although Colorado has Dion now, and there's going to be a lot of recruits coming in. So it might move a little faster than we thought, but uh, I think these two teams are, are really action packed to take over the pac 12. Yeah. I mean, this was uh, the first 10 win season for Oregon state since the 06 season. And yeah, this was just total domination from Oregon state. I mean, you could just tell from the get-go that Oregon State was the team that wanted to be there in Florida with opt-outs, you know, especially with their big guy, their key piece at quarterback, Anthony Richardson. They had to turn to their true freshman, Jack Miller. He had experience at, at Oregon. He was an Oregon transfer. He transferred over to Florida, and they mainly had to run the ball. They relied on Montreal Johnson and, and Trevor Etienne uh, for most of the game, but their defense really had no answers for Oregon State. They could pretty much just run their balance offense, really control the time position. They had the shutout, and then Florida decided to, to kick the late field goal. And here it is listed to the broadcast. Back McAfee and Kirk Kirkstreet 
we were just like going at each other. Like Pat McAfee loved it. Like Kirk Kirksey, like, what is this going to do for the offseason? Like, oh, you're going to score three points, 30 to three. What makes a difference for you? So there's going to be a lot of question marks going into the offseason of whether Billy Napier was definitely the right hire or not. I know it's only one season, so I'm not going to hit the panic button. Give him a couple of years, but if not a couple of years. This team, not like three. 10 and 2 competing in the SEC East, uh, then it won't be too long uh, before Billy Napier is shown the door. But we do have uh, a comment, Neil, about the baseball stadium. They used to do it at the Yankee Stadium every year for a bowl. I'm pretty sure that they still do. They're still. Yeah. Yeah, this game is still uh is still played at Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl. Yeah, this uh I'm not sure who's playing or who played it this year's Pinstripe Bowl. Uh but yeah, this it is the Pinstripe Bowl. So yeah, wait or Neil, I'm sorry. They Syracuse uh, and Minnesota. Yeah, Syracuse and Minnesota. Yeah, I think that's coming up here soon and uh yep. that'll be a good game, but it, it seems a little strange uh like we said, you know, for the whole baseball thing. I don't know what Everybody else's perspective is, of course, you guys can tell us in the comments, would you guys think uh, should sports be played in their desired stadiums or uh, is it free reign for, you know, cross, you know, sports crossing paths as far as uh, playing, you know, certain things? I mean, it's not like what I mean, it's very different, like, you know, the Raiders and the in the uh, athletics used to play, you know, in uh, the Oakland Coliseum and it was okay because it was giant and that's that's fine of course now the Raiders have moved on and you've kind of seen one one sport you know one one stadium there kind of thing of course you got two teams that play at uh the same stadiums but they're playing that sport so it does seem a little strange but yeah of course guys leave your comments and let us know what uh what you guys think of that moving on to our next bowl game here Tyler uh the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl here uh, not much of a bowl game in this one either on the West coast had some snoozers of a game, uh, last week and the Washington state Cougars could not drum up much offense at all, uh, against the Fresno state Bulldogs, Fresno state. And we both picked them in this one. Uh, they've shown a lot and they've shown that they can compete with some teams out West, uh, in the mountain West there. No problem. No problemo. You know, it is, uh, uh, all for the taking there out West and Fresno state has definitely taken advantage of it. They're not a heavily recruit school. They're small, they're tiny, uh, but they have guys that, you know, I, I watched this game and they have guys that play with an edge and they have guys that play with a chip on their shoulder. And that's what they do. I mean, they go in there and they win big football games. Uh, and this was a big game for them and a big program builder for them. Uh, I know that they were in the bowl season last year and everybody's like, well, maybe they're a one hit wonder type thing. But they look like they're poised to be uh, a contender in the bowl season every single season from here on out. Yeah, I mean, if you have not watched Fresno State Tate, you have to watch Jay Kane or their quarterback. That dude can absolutely sling the rock. He's going to be the next great thing. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's a junior or a senior or not, but once he gets into the NFL draft, uh, he's going to be a steal. He might be the next Brock Purdy that we're talking about. You know, Brock Purdy has been slinging it in San Francisco Jake Hayner really reminds me, you know, the build of Purdy, but man, he can sling the rock. I really expected this one uh, to be dominating. Uh, Fresno State's defense really shut down Boise State, an offense that no one could stop uh, throughout the whole entire season. Washington State has been, a, you know, a solid program, hasn't been much of a drop. They've been 
been really consistent. They've been making it to a bowl game for the past several. But Fresno State, on the other hand, has a monster. They really have a good head coach uh, down there, really offensive scheme as well. The defensive coordinator puts a really good game plan every week. So really good win for Fresno State to get that 10th win uh, once again. This is back-to-back now, uh, 10 win seasons for Fresno State. So they're going to become a monster. You know, all the talk has been around Boise State, you know, Air Force, but Fresno State slowly is turning into that next great uh, group of five program. They really are. I mean, they they have uh, found some recipe, you know, there in the coaching scheme to to drum up uh, some sort of uh, talent within you know within their team. I mean, they're not heavily like I said. I don't think they're they're not heavily recruiting anybody. I don't think. I mean, they're just getting guys from small high schools out west, and, and I don't think they're cross you know around the country finding you know these uh hidden gems you know and they're saying hey let me go to fresno state but i think what's a lot of what is happening a lot with schools like fresno state is you get a lot of freshmen and sophomore in there that want to prove something they want to prove that they can compete at a higher level that's what that's what they're doing so when they get an opportunity at fresno state let's say they win a bowl game other coaches and power five schools notice this kind of thing and they're going to say, well, heck, this kid's already got college experience in his first two seasons. He's went to a bowl game with a with a decent team uh, that's put up 10 wins this year, and they haven't played snoozers of a team. I mean, they've been a power five team in a bowl game. And, you know, they have talent. I mean, that's, that's what we were talking about quarterback. I mean, if he does have any time left, he could easily transfer out and be a good starter, you know, with the whole transfer portal thing, this gives the opportunity for guys in smaller universities to go to bigger schools and have an opportunity to compete and compete well with the college experience they already have. So uh, definitely a lot of upside uh, for the group of five schools, and it's good to see them getting some wins here early on. Uh, Neil said the biggest issue is the sight lines uh, as you're so far away from the field in these situations. They are, yes, I will agree. Uh, that sitting out by Pesky's pole is not exactly the greatest thing uh, when you're at Fenway Park because you need some binoculars. Uh, so, yeah, you might need a telescope to see what's going on. on the yeah, there was like hardly anybody there. I was like looking around the stands. I was like, man, this is so weird of seeing Fenway Park so empty. I don't think I've seen it that empty uh, since the COVID year. Yeah, it just seems it was really strange. Same thing goes on at Yankee Stadium, though, because they play kind of weird. They play... I believe down the right field line. And if you're sitting out in left field, there's just, I'm sorry, but that's just a bad, that should be free. Come on in, have a great time. Come watch some football from a mile away for free. Uh, so yeah, I, I do agree with you, Neil. It, it is uh, tough when you're talking about the sight lines for some of these games. Uh, moving on to our next bowl game here in the recap is the lending tree bowl. And this was in mobile, Alabama, at my university at South Alabama between the rice owls and the Southern Miss golden Eagles. Uh, great game here. Fantastic game. Only a two touchdown game, but it felt like a beating from Southern miss in this one. Uh, they controlled it from start to finish running, running the ball is, is their name of the game. But of course with their lovely running back who can't be denied Frank Gore jr. That man is a tank. He is the second spawn of his father. He really is. It is, wild uh he's quick explosive uh it just he seems like a guy that could have a big opportunity at a power five school uh he is at a group of five school and it's just i don't know if it's a right fit or how he feels about it 
it's just what it is. Guys pick situations for a reason, and he picked Southern Miss. So, I mean, it really uh, came together, and it was a perfect match for their program. And a lot of credit goes to him in their win there uh, against the Rice Owls. Yeah, the crazy part is he's only a sophomore, so he's got one more year left uh, of his collegiate career. I expect him to transfer route. He's going to finish his career uh, at Southern Miss. But, yeah, he's going to be just as good as his dad was uh, in the NFL. Pop for 329 yards and two touchdowns against Southern Miss. I know that Southern Miss really dominated this game, but had that third quarter run where they took the lead 24 to 17. And after that, Southern Miss defense was able to get the job done. And they were just like, all right, we had enough of this. We're just going to give it to our best player. Uh, they called the super running back. Knowing he had two touchdowns on the ground, he also threw a pass for a touchdown. It was a little Tebow-esque, a jump pass at the two-yard line. Like, what a call that was so I bet this was a really good road trip for Southern Miss fans there were definitely a lot more Southern Miss fans uh like a two-hour drive from Hattiesburg out to Mobile but the black and gold fans uh, had a really good show uh, as well a really good win for Southern Miss uh, like you mentioned this has been a program that's been through so many head coaches really similar program to South Alabama they had that you know, couple of years where they were good they went to the the Conference USA Championship that one year uh, they ended up losing. So, you know, but Southern Miss is just a sleeping giant uh, waiting to be restored. I think they, they finally have the right head coach. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Southern Miss, you know, give them a c- couple of years, but they might be, you know, with the South Alabama turnaround uh, with 10 win seasons next season, especially with Frank Gord Jr. at the running back and pretty much everyone coming back. Yeah, congratulations, uh, to Will Hall and that coaching staff from Southern Miss uh, and a great season for them and a turnaround uh, that, you know, they really are a sleeping giant. So you could see a lot of these teams in the South coming up and uh, being real competitive here really soon. Uh, moving on from this game here on to our next bowl game, and that is the New Mexico Bowl between the SMU Mustangs and the BYU Cougars. This was a football game, Tyler. I know you watched this game. I didn't spend too much time watching it. I did see the end of the game, uh, but that was that was all you needed to watch was the end of the game, and that was that was the case with this one. So uh, fantastic game here. Both teams battled left and right. BYU is a really physical football team. I mentioned this early on uh, this year, you know, this season in the show that you know BYU is probably the most physical football team at the line of scrimmage that I've seen in college football. I mean, they hit you harder than a truck. It's it's rough. So uh, SMU had their hands full in this one, but offensively, they have enough to stretch the guys out. I know they like running trips uh, with SMU, and they like getting them out, getting their guys in space, and go make a play. Uh, but BYU answered the bell here late and held on for that 24-23 win. Yeah, I mean, BYU's defense, they must have heard me because a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at this, I was questioning the play of this BYU defense. I played solid throughout the first couple of weeks. And the second half of the season, they just had no answer for every opponent. So definitely a big mark for this BYU defense and stuff. They forced some timely turnovers. Like you mentioned, this was a game that you needed to not turn your TV on uh, until the very end because SMU – was not going to back down in this one. They drove down the field. They were able to score a touchdown. There's only eight seconds left. I commend the head coach to do in this one. It's bowl season. You don't have another game 
until a couple of months uh, in August. So why not go for the win there? So I definitely commend that. But BYU's defense was able to read it really. You know, it was a good play call, but BYU's defense was able to stand. Uh, I picked BYU, uh, so I'm happy that they won uh, for my bowl mania's sake. Uh, we're doing a bowl mania sports scramble. Uh, I'll check out the standings uh, once we get to our, our bowl, you know, bowl. But this was definitely one of the better games uh, of like you mentioned, there were some blowout games, but this, but this was definitely the one that you had to watch. Absolutely. And on to the next ball game was the Frisco Bowl between the uh, lovely North Texas Mean Green and the Boise State Broncos. This game, you know, was a lot. I felt that it was going to be a close game. Both of these teams, uh, I mean, they're, they're like identical. I mean, it really is. They're just two... Uh, carbon copy, you know, pictures of each other. And it, it really showed in this one. Boise State gets the win 35-32 uh, in a bowl game that normally is a snoozer that you can take a nap at. But this one uh, was very close from start to finish. So uh, congrats to Boise State. You know, they had a decent season this year. So uh, I think anytime you have a 10-win season, it, it's, it's a plus. So I, I do commend the Broncos for their win. In this one for North Texas, still a good season for them. Uh, I think they have a lot of upside there for them. So I, I feel like uh, seeing some of the power five or group of five, excuse me, teams early on in the bowl season like this is really good. Give some opportunity there. And uh, man, just a crazy games here that we've seen in these last two. Yeah, North Texas uh, brought the fight uh, in this game against uh, Boise State. I was expecting Boise State to run away with this one. I just know for all that they were a better football team, but North Texas is always going to bring their offense. Uh, that's what they're built on, and they brought it. Uh, so this was a very good game uh, in Boise State, uh, like all the teams in the season, won the turnover battle. If you turnover battle, they had forced two interceptions uh, early on. And this game, this was a back and forth game. I mean, if you look at the score, I mean, North Texas was trading blows uh, with Boise State, and then Boise State was trading blows uh, with North Texas. But in the end, Boise State showed uh, that they're more talented football team. And there was a little bit of uh, post game antics uh, from you know the head coach that they had a brawl on the sidelines. Uh, so uh, there, like I mentioned, North Texas brought the fight in this game, uh, but Boise State was able to deliver the knockout punch in the end. Yeah, they brought the fight on and off the field before and after the game, and it was uh, this was some old-fashioned football right there. Uh, getting to our next bowl game here, we're going to Myrtle Beach in a lovely vacation destination in this one as well. Uh, gotta gotta love Marshall in this one. Marshall against UConn. Uh, Marshall holds on to a twenty-eight to fourteen win over the Huskies. I, I felt this coming uh, in a sense. It felt like. Marshall was ready for that big win to end their season. UConn, Cinderella story, kind of. Were they going to get a bowl win here? Kind of, kind of the, the, the poor, the poor Cinderella story. Uh, you know, not like anything like TCU, but <laughs> it's it is if you win a bowl game here. So I, I think uh, they had a great season for UConn, a good bounce back season. It felt like, you know. We were talking about three-win UConn, and now we're at six-win UConn. It came into the game six and six. They leave six and seven. It's okay. I mean, I know they wanted to be 
a lot better football team internally, but it's still a good season for them. Uh, and of course, for Marshall, you know, you finish the season at nine and four, good season. They let a couple of games slip away. They really could have been there in the Sun Belt Championship game, and they just let some games just fall right out of their hands. Uh, so I, I think uh, this was a great win to cap off their season, and another Sun Belt team getting a big win here. Yeah, the Sun Belt is just cruising. I believe that they're undefeated now, and the next one coming up is going to be South Alabama tomorrow night uh, in New Orleans take on Western Kentucky. But like you mentioned, Marshall uh, was the team that they won nine wins. They had some losses where they shouldn't have lost, I'm sure all Marshall fans uh, are going to remember this season around that Notre Dame win uh, South Bend. Uh, but this was really expected. UConn, they really had to play a perfect game uh, in order to beat this team, and they did had four turnovers, three of them coming from their quarterback, three interceptions. I mean, Marshall was up in this game 28 to nothing. You had that late run of UConn. Uh, but nonetheless, Marshall was just a better football team. And this one, you could see it from start to finish as they played on Costa Carolina's Teal Field. It was a vacation on the Teal Field. Uh, so good win for Marshall and a good season. I think that next season, this is going to be a team that's going to be in what could be a loaded, you know, division in the Sun Belt. Like, what are we going to see from Costa Carolina? They're losing their quarterback. They're losing Jimmy Childwell, and then that next season, you can't forget, James Madison is going to be eligible for postseason play. So my early on pick is still James Madison, but Marshall, look out for them. I think that they're going to be a dark horse pick uh, to win that division. Yeah, it really is a coin toss there in the Sun Belt. So a lot to come uh, here in the next season, and a lot to come in the game tomorrow night uh, for South Alabama. But, uh, of course, that is the end of our recap. We are going to get – to our preview for some of the games that are coming up in some bowl games. We're going to run from the games that start uh, here in the next few days. I believe that, what, the 24th through the 28th, Tyler? That's correct. So, yeah, we're going to run through those. Of course, they are brought to you by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. If you guys want to head over there and see all of the best brews and views in Houston, head over there to Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company at www.buffbrew.com. That is www.buffbrew.com. Tyler, the Hawaii Bowl destination is up first in this one. Middle Tennessee State is traveling uh, out west, way west, uh, or east, whichever. Well, west is shorter, so we'll say west. Um, And San Diego State will be joining them in this one. So I feel like uh, this game has a lot of, action-packed offense in it, I think. Uh, Both teams offensively can move the football. Only thing here is for me, I think San Diego State has enough to get it done uh, running the football against Middle Tennessee State. So I'm going to go with San Diego State in this one. They feel like the better of the two teams for me. They are the seven-point favorite. I expect them to cover the seven uh, in Hawaii. Yeah, San Diego State has always been a team on running the football. Ball, and they have been doing that with success. Uh, they haven't been, you know, the juggernaut of a team in the Mountain West, like we mentioned, Fresno State overlapped them, but still a very good uh, football team. Middle Tennessee, like you mentioned, they've always been an offensive-minded team, so I expect a lot of points in this one, but as we mentioned, we've said that the past games that, oh, this game we high school, well, we come back and it's like a 21-20 to 20 type of game, so who knows what this bowl game is going to give us. Let's give us a lot of fireworks uh, out there on the island. This is another vacation bowl, so both teams are definitely going to be uh, – San Diego's 
inclined to, to this environment. Middle Tennessee is going to go from some cold weather that we're going to be having uh, this weekend uh, across the country. Uh, so this is definitely a bowl game uh, destination uh, for these two teams. And I have State uh, win this one. It could be, I'm going to say a 34-31. It's going to be a close battle. Most of these bowl games will be close. Uh, two evenly matched teams, but in the end, i got to go with the Aztecs. All right, and moving on to our next game on the schedule here. Uh, it is the Quick Lanes Bowl played in Detroit, Michigan. This is in Ford Field, I believe. Uh, New Mexico State is traveling up north to the lovely cold weather and the snow that they're going to be enjoying uh, to face off against Bowling Green. This game here, I think, is a really close football game. Uh, better of the two teams is Bowling Green. New Mexico State, tough season for them. I felt like they just they never could kickstart anything it felt like uh and just when they did and then the, it was a uh, you know right after that it was a downfall uh for me i think the better of the two teams like i said is bowling green i'm going to stick with bowling green in this one uh i think they cover this one are they a 3 in this one i think something like that but uh i expect them to cover this one pretty easily uh I mean, it is just the road trip for, uh, you know, your opposing team. is just It's just a lot for New Mexico yeah, State I mean, to come up there and expect a big win. I mean, it's a lot environmentally changed. Even though it is inside, um, there's a lot of preparation that needs to be made in this one, and I think Bowling Green is uh, ready for that fight. Yeah, I mean, New Mexico State has always been an afterthought of college football programs, so definitely good for them. I know a UConn team get to that bowl win. We're seeing a Kansas team that's been on the bottom. And New Mexico State has really been, uh, you know, on the bottom. Of, and so going six and six, uh, Bowling Green, not the season that I hope for them. I had high expectations that they could compete uh, in the MAC, uh, but Ohio, Toledo. So uh, Bowling Green does have experience uh, playing in uh, the Quick Lane Bowl. They've been there before. Uh, so I be a close game the line is only three and a half so vegas is definitely agreeing with me on that but in the end i gotta go bowling green i think that bowling green's uh, defense is going to be too much uh, for new mexico state new mexico state the problem for them is if they can't run the ball then they can really can't move the ball really effectively that they have been all season so i'm gonna go with bowling green so i'm gonna go to mac can't bet against the mac uh, against this one now, and of course, moving on to our next game, that is the Camellia Bowl uh, between Georgia Southern and the Buffalo Buffalo. <laughs> the Buffalo. Perfect. Perfect in this one. Uh, no, I think this game is a battle of two evenly matched teams. Once again, Georgia Southern is the giant killer, I believe, uh, of the Sun Belt. Anytime they play somebody outside of the Sun Belt, it's game over. Uh, this is a bowl game, though, and Buffalo has shown that they can compete this year. They've won some big games. Uh, they've lost some stupid games. I mean, this is the story with a lot of teams, and I think Buffalo has what it takes to beat a good Georgia Southern team, uh, so I'm going to roll with Buffalo in this one. It, it just seems uh, – it seems like the writing on the wall in this one is Buffalo just because of what they've gone through this season. Georgia Southern, you know, there are, like you said, you know, there's a lot of teams that are an afterthought and, and Georgia Southern is an afterthought. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, 
big win against Nebraska this year, but Nebraska isn't the team that they used to be. So, I mean, it really doesn't look as big as it should. Uh, so I'm going to roll with Buffalo in this one. Yeah, like you mentioned, Georgia Southern, that big win, uh, you know, at the start of the season in Nebraska. At first, you beat Nebraska, it's a very big win. It's still a big win. It's a, it's a group of five versus a power five, so you can never go. But Clay Helton, uh, bringing him in, the former USC head coach, I think that was definitely the move for them. He's really been building up uh, this Southern program to becoming, you know, one of the Giants. I know that they haven't made it uh, to the Sun Belt Championship, but they've really been consistent. Buffalo, on the other hand, I mean, this is just the high-powered offense. I feel like every week they're scoring 40 points or 30 points a game. I honestly expect this to one the winner to get to 40 points in this one. Two high-powered offense going at each other. There's not going to be many times where we see the punter on the field in this game. There's just something about Buffalo and bowl games uh, that they're pretty much just a lock. I know that George Southern's the favorite, but I'm going to go with the underdog. I'm going to go with Buffalo in a high-scoring shootout. I have this one going like 44-40. to 40. Wow. High-scoring game in this one. Yeah, I do think that some teams, these two teams can put up some points. Uh, hopefully somebody can make a defensive stand somewhere in this game and get a stop. Uh, but, of course, moving on to our next game, it is the Surf Pro First Responders Bowl in this one. It is the Memphis Tigers and the Utah State Aggies. I think this is going to be a landslide. I hate to say it, but I think the Memphis Tigers can take uh, advantage of Utah State in this one. Uh they just are overmatched. Uh, just talent-wise, uh, Memphis has the talent. They've kind of had a bum season at a 6-6 six and six season. I remember the last, you know, a number of years ago, they were good. They had Paxton Lynch. I mean, and they were slinging the ball left and right, uh, and they were taking down some big teams. So I, I feel that the Tigers can get this done. They are the favorite in this one, so I'm going to roll with them. Yeah, Memphis has been a story program. I think it's not more of a – been a bad – I just think the American is getting better uh, by the season. You know, we see what Tulane has done. UCF has had a good uh, season. Uh, Houston, you know, the team that we were talking about at the preseason, finished at 7-5. Memphis now at 6-6. Six and six. They're still slinging uh, the ball around, but their defense is going to have to step up. But I think they will. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, I'm pretty confident in this pick. Uh, Utah State just hasn't really shown enough for me to be able to show enough confidence. I mean, I just don't know if they're going to have any answers against this Memphis passing games. I, I expect uh, Memphis to cover this seven and a half pretty easily. This could be a 14 plus point victory. I think that Memphis cruises in the first responder bowl. Absolutely. So a clean sweep in that one right there. And we're headed on to our next bowl game. And that is the ticket smarter Birmingham bowl. This game here, uh, it's going to be a good one, Tyler. I think this is one of the better games that we're going to be talking about. Uh, and that is the coastal Carolina facing off against East Carolina, uh, here, not many times you see two teams from the same area uh, play on a bowl game on the road. They might as well just play it at their home stadiums at this point. I mean, they're, they're closer the together than Birmingham. Been a great is. venue for this. <laughs> I know, I know, it would have been perfect. Uh, but of course, this is the Birmingham Bowl, so it's played in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, interesting little stadium there. I, I've driven through Birmingham plenty of times, and, and that little stadium that UAB plays in is interesting. Little, I mean, it's right in town. I mean, it is right there in the middle of town it is strange uh because birmingham's grown over the last few years so uh it really has turned into uh, a hub for some people there in that region to live in so uh big for that town for the bowl season to roll through there uh 
As for these two teams, Coastal Carolina, we've mentioned multiple times, nine and three season, they fall short in the Sun Belt. Uh, of course, they've kind of been that team in the Sun Belt over and over to make it there. And uh, a lot of times it's been due to their veteran play at quarterback. Well, I'll let you get to what's going on with that, with the with Coastal. But for East Carolina, they have a veteran quarterback who uh, it, it just seems that they have what it's they have clicking offense and they played an early game in the season where I watched, you know, they played NC state and they played a heck of a football game. They played at home. Uh, so East Carolina flies under the radar for them to have a seven and five season to be in this bowl game is really big for that program. Uh, and I think moving forward, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, hype around this team in East Carolina. So I expect this one to be really good. I'm going to roll with coastal in this one just because of, their offense they are missing some key pieces uh two giant pieces uh but i i just feel confident they can get it done they still have other guys out there there's 10 other guys that can control the football game uh, on either side so i think coastal can take care of this one yeah there's going to be our two key pieces uh that are going to be out not only you without your starting quarterback, uh, but you're also without your head coach uh, with Jimmy Chadwell. So we'll see where this Coastal Carolina team goes on offense. It hasn't been pretty with McCauley on bulldozed over by Troy the past couple weeks. This is not the Coastal Carolina team that we're really accustomed to seeing in the past couple of seasons. But like you mentioned, East Carolina, I mean, go back to that first game of NC State. They should have won. I mean, if their kicker, Mix that uh, – it wasn't really a chip-chop field goal. It was a 40-yard field goal. If he makes that, then it is out the door, and we're talking about East Carolina after week one. But East Carolina has had some good wins, uh, most notably also is the UCF game where UCF was rolling, and they East Carolina blew the doors off of them. It was not a close game. Dominated that, that one. So East Carolina has been a pesky team all season, and I'm going to – so I think that East Carolina, like we mentioned, they've had a – a couple of good seasons, our quarterback back in the day. But now that East Carolina, who knows? Or maybe they're building a special there, especially with you know the likes of Cincinnati and Houston leaving uh, to the Big Twelve. Could we see a team like East make that turnaround, the same turnaround that we saw at Tulane? So I have a lot of confidence of East Carolina pulling this one away. Interesting is that Vegas still has Coastal Carolina's heavy favorite seven and a half. If I were a betting man, I would put my house on East Carolina money line. Tyler might be putting his money on East Carolina money line. So we'll see what happens in that game. Uh, should be a fantastic game there. Uh, moving on to our next one on the same day there. It is the guaranteed rate bowl between the Wisconsin Badgers and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I feel this game could be a landslide pretty early, folks. Uh Oklahoma State has all the offense in the world. Wisconsin is known for their defense. They have no defense this year, and that's why I'm surprised they're in this situation in a bowl game. Six and six season is bad for uh, Wisconsin, especially you know what they've done in the last number of years. They were that team in the Big Ten West to make it there to Indianapolis every season. They really were, and and now Purdue is kind of taking that spot over and that that uh, taking that spotlight from them. So I think that. Uh, down year for them, and I think it's going to end in a worse way. I just I feel like Oklahoma State is definitely the better of the two teams. I'm going to roll with Mike Gundy and the Cowboys in this one. It feels like uh, 
it feels like their game to win in uh, Wisconsin. I mean, you're going to get a great head coach coming to you, but it's uh, it's going to have to wait till next year, I think. Yeah, two disappointing seasons. I think the more disappointing one is Oklahoma State. I mean, literally in the Big 12 championship a year ago, uh, literally a yard away from winning the Big 12, uh, Baylor ended up winning uh, last year. But Oklahoma State returned pretty much everybody. Spencer Sanders, their veteran quarterback, returned. They had a defense. I know that they lost Jim Knowles, but their defense uh, was still good enough them uh, to a good season. But disappointing overall, I mean, going from the preseason expectations, you're ranked highly uh, in the top 10 in the preseason with Baylor as well. Uh, but I think this is going to be of who is going to play in this bowl game. We're already seeing Graham Mertz transfer out. Spencer Sanders is out. So I don't expect a lot of offensive firepower in this one. It's going to be one of the more defensive games. But in the end, I just feel like Oklahoma State, uh, they're going to want to finish out a good season. But I think the more broader future is definitely around Wisconsin getting Luke Fickle uh, from Cincinnati. And yes, that's yeah, a lot, a lot going on there with that. On to the game. Uh, this, this is weird. This is annoying. I think it is the military bowl. Uh, but there are no teams from the military playing in the military bowl. Uh, it is the UCF Knights facing off against the Duke Blue Devils. I, what in the world? I feel like this game should be at least having one team. Uh, from the service academies being here, it just it feels weird that it's not. And there's all this happens every year, one or the other. It's if the armed forces bowl, then there's no armed forces teams. I mean, that's that's the thing about it. So, uh, this one could be interesting. I feel that both teams record wise are really close together. Uh, so there's a lot there that can happen. UCF, uh, definitely has the coaching experience on their side, the quarterback experience on their side. Uh, so. I think that UCF gets it done here pretty easily against Duke. Fourth quarter, I think going into the third, I think this is probably a tie game uh, at some point, but I feel like UCF has a late surge, can control the line of scrimmage, and they win this game. So, Jacob, let me tell you, what has the theme of this UCF team on this show throughout the entire season? Win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, 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 lose, lose, lose. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 13 13- Trying to figure out. I mean, the one time that we picked uh, with them, they lost, and then the one time that we picked against them against uh, Tulane, then they they won. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, you know that this is going to be a great game. Duke is always uh, that pesky program. I mean, they've been a very underrated team in the ACC. UCF, like you mentioned, they, they made it to the American uh, Conference game of into what is a, a gauntlet has been Tulane this season, but. I'm going to trust uh, John Riles Plumley uh, to get the job done. Uh, UCF's defense is going to have to step it up because due to offense, uh, that can put up points on you. So I expect this one to be a back-and-forth game. Don't really expect either or of really pulling away in this game. But I'm going to go with the Knights uh, going to run with the bounce house. Absolutely. Uh, that's going to be a great football game there. Uh, of course, this one's going to be very good as well. We got two Power 5 schools, baby. Finally. Uh, it is the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. This is in my old stomping grounds of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and it is the Kansas Jayhawks and the Arkansas Razorbacks here. Uh, both teams, same record, 6-6 six and six season, very closely together. Uh, only thing is, is that talent-wise, 
I think the SEC has the Big 12 beat in this one. So I'm going to roll with the Arkansas Razorbacks to win this game here. Close to home in Fayetteville. About They have half the distance to cover that <laughs> Kansas does to get to this game or over that. So uh, I think they travel well. Razorback fans always travel really well. So uh, this is going to be, I think, a great showing for them. Send out the season on a good note. Send out K.J. Jefferson on a good note. Uh, so I think that the Razorbacks win this one. Yeah, I feel like this is a bowl game that no one is talking about, but more to put it on the radar because this is going to be an insane game to watch. I think that this could either be an offensive shootout or both defense step up. I think I'm leaning on that this is going to be more of a shootout, especially with K.J. Jefferson. Uh, Raheem Sanders – uh, don't know if he is going to be playing in this one either. He's going to go declare for the NFL draft. He's going to play in this one. So there's still some question marks of all, you know, offense. Are we going to get Kansas? You're going to, you're going to get them. They're going to want to play in this whole game. Uh, everyone going to participate uh, in, in this one. But in the end, Arkansas's offense, I feel like, especially if Raheem Sanders plays in this full game, is just going to be too much. Uh, Kansas defense has shown in the past couple of weeks that they've been the Kansas defense of old. But I do trust uh, both of these offenses uh, to provide some fireworks uh, in the Liberty Bowl. Liberty Bowl always provides uh, some crazy endings, so I'm sure that we'll see that. But in the end, you got to go with the SEC. Getting the first uh, victory of the season here since Florida uh, started out of the conference on 0-1. So I expect Arkansas uh, to to even that with the 1-1 record. So I'm going in this one. And that's the first game of that December 28th uh, little three-game stretch here. And the second one, starting with the night games here, is the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Uh, of course, this is at another baseball stadium, of yep. course. There it is, Neil. Uh, they're playing at Petco Park, buddy. So I I, I don't like it, especially this one. Kind of weird. It's not Are they going to kick field goals to the Western Metal Supply Company? They might as well in this one. See if who can hit it. See if, like, a million dollars in a, you know, a trust fund to – whoever in the university uh but no the holiday bowl here consists of the number 15 ranked oregon ducks uh playing up against the acc runner-up north carolina tar heels i think this game here um is probably going to be a landslide i'm picking it as a landslide i think oregon's the better team in this one north carolina hasn't shown me what they needed to show me late in the season in order for me to pick them in this of course if they win the acc they're in a better bowl game than this they just kind of fell apart late in the season tyler it felt that just things weren't clicking offensively they were the most like action-packed offensive powerhouse team to start the season they couldn't be stopped offensively they were putting up 60 like it was nothing and all of a sudden they hit a wall and they lost a couple of games in the row here where i was really scratching my head going where are they headed where, where's this Dario team headed in uh, they're headed straight to San Diego, I guess, and, and they're going to play uh, in a tough one here. They got to travel all the way across the country uh, to play this one, and I feel like Oregon will be better prepared for this one as they normally are for bowl games. I expect them uh, to win this by three touchdowns. We were very high on this North Carolina team uh, for the majority of the season, especially you, uh, you, your Mister ACC himself. Once again, to make it to the ACC championship, then but like you mentioned this team has lost their luster after that Wake Forest win. They've lost to Georgia Tech. They lost to NC State. They lost to Clemson by 29 points. And now they're running 
come into a juggernaut of Oregon, and they Oregon did receive good news. Uh, they are getting back Bo Nix uh, for next season, so Bo Nix is going to be playing in this game. There were some question marks of whether Nix was going to go to the NFL draft. Is come back for a senior year, and would definitely uh, congratulate Bo Nix. Could be some early Heisman talk, uh, especially the the numbers that he put up this season uh, before Oregon really had a, a downfall in the last couple of weeks. So they had a big lead in the last week of the regular season against Oregon State, and Oregon State ended up winning that game. But like you mentioned, this is one of the more confident picks that I have. Oregon offense versus uh, North Carolina defense is a recipe for disaster. North Carolina's defense hasn't had it all season. Drake May is going to have to be able to really go shot for shot if they want to win this game, but I just don't see it. They're really the whole – entire body of work has worked for North Carolina, especially the second half of the season. Just really no confidence in North Carolina anymore, so give me the Ducks easily in this one. And closing it out with the late game on the 28th year, and this is our last one that we're going to preview for right now in this episode of the show. Uh, it is the Texas Tech Red Raiders and the Ole Miss Rebels facing off in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. This is Historically, Big 12, SEC, um, always a great game here, always in Houston. I think uh, this one here is going to be an offensive battle. Uh, I, if Ole Miss wants to win this game, they're going to have to be able to go down and score some points. They've had trouble doing it this year. Scoring points, I mean, should have been pretty easy for them with the talent that they have at running back, quarterback. you got a young quarterback you're trying to develop. I understand that. Uh but, you know, Lane Kiffin, there's there's nobody else better in the game than Lane Kiffin to go out there and get this guy ready uh, for big games. This is a big game. Uh, Texas Tech is the giant killer of the Big 12. They are uh, – and nobody knows what they're going to do. That's the thing about it. I mean, they got a big win against Texas this year uh, that nobody saw coming. I mean, they really have struck uh, struck lightning with the – I mean, they finished 7-5, and five, uh, but nothing crazy. Uh, so I'm going to go with the unpopular opinion. I'm going to pick the underdog. I'm going the Red Raiders. Texas Tech is going to win this game uh, in their home state here, right there on uh, the Texas border. But I think they're going to get it done. It's crazy enough. Uh, we're going to have our first disagreement on the show. We've been doing clean sweets, but second, I'm going to Second disagreement. This is our yeah, second our... disagreement. You picked ECU. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to miss, though, uh, like you mentioned on the offense, Quinshawn Jenkins, I feel like, is going to be a problem Texas Tech's defensive line. Now, like you mentioned, Texas Tech has been a team that has shown up in bowl games, especially uh, last season, I believe. Uh, they knocked off Mississippi State in the bowl season, and we'll see if they can go 2-0 oh, back-to-back seasons against Mississippi schools. I just don't see it. Uh, Texas Tech's defense has been an issue at times. Uh, the way that Jackson Dart not only can do the air, he can also beat you in the running game, so – I feel like that's going to be a problem. I do see Tech uh, really playing a really close game, but in the end, got to go to the SEC here. Once again, I'm going with Ole Miss. Tyler going with the SEC. He can never get away from Tucker, the SEC, huh? folks. <laughs> if if the SEC is playing in a bowl game, folks, you can put all of your money on it that Tyler's no, going to the Beavers from the SEC. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's a landslide there. I mean, that, that was different. Uh, if it's a competitive game, Tyler's going to pick an SEC team. Uh, over the other team. And look, some people are just SEC fans. Tyler's more of an LSU fan before the SEC fan, uh, but you're still an SEC fan. So I, I got I got to give you some crap for it, but 
Neil said he's going to be at the game uh, for that Coastal Carolina and East Carolina game. Uh, man, that'll be a great game, Neil. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you on what that game will be. We'll be tuning into that as well. Uh, yes, <laughs> Tyler's mom says, I believe they ran out of names uh, to name each bowl game. That's hence Military Bowl. I, they might as well just put in a name generator and find something else. I mean, you might as well do the Yahoo Bowl at this point, or the you know who knows the Google Bowl or whatever it may be. I don't know who Neil's Neil booing. is booing at. I, we Neil need more context on the that. Fact, Neil. Neil is booing to the fact that there's a game being played in Petco Park, another baseball stadium, oh. uh, for that bowl game. Neil, I was I was looking out for you, buddy. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think it's weird. I think it's wild. I, I get the other two with the Yankees and. In the Red Sox stadiums, because I mean, they're historic not stadiums. Parks. I mean, but Petco I Park. It. Well, the Holiday Bowl used to be played at the old Chargers field. So I mean, they could either play it at the soccer stadium that the Chargers played the first, you know, couple of the seasons, or you know, just move it. Like, don't play it at another baseball stadium. Like, we already have two. It's iconic ones. I don't know. I'm not really a fan of uh, you know the bowl games being in baseball stadiums. I will step aside, you know, Fenway Park, but like, put one. If you're going to put out a third one, definitely be an option. I, yeah, that would be a very interesting one. I think that is a, a really good option there. It is cold this time of year. It is an outdoor stadium. Oh, yeah. Uh, it probably <laughs> is true. It would be snowing. But, uh, hey, look, it's a bowl game. Embrace as it. Well as well as call the like bowl and at that rate. Yeah, I mean, you just have fun with it, guys. You know, that's kind of what it is. But uh, take what you are given. But, uh, of course, that is it for our upcoming preview for the bowls. Uh, in the continual Bulbania here. Of course, we are going to have to get to some news and a couple of questions. We have two questions, bonus question there too as well. Uh, But we're going to get to the news first. And of course, that is brought to you by Fanatics. If you guys want to go over there and check all the gear that they have out on Fanatics, you guys can use the link in our show there. Uh, Go head over there and go find some gear because I've got some gear behind me. Uh, Of course, I I've started putting that up. Got to got to show off some of the jerseys that I keep out and some of the teams I support. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a good place to get all of your gear if you guys want to go get your authentic gear over there from all of your teams. Gift it to somebody for the holidays. Christmas coming up here in what five days. Uh, so if you guys want to go over there, get some last minute things. It's probably pretty close. Uh, I think you Wade had mentioned you have to play, pay a pretty penny to get it by Christmas. So yeah, it's, so. <laughs> let's get it on Amazon. Yeah. Next day shipping is a premium, folks. So uh, I don't know if you want to do that. If it's cheap enough or you want to pay for that, go right ahead. Or if you just want to do it just because, go right ahead. Who cares? Uh, so, guys, go over there. Use the link in our show. Come support us over on the channel. And uh, let us know uh, let us know how we're doing. So it, anything helps, guys, because uh, we're just trying to give you guys the best content for all of college football. Uh, and, of course, Tyler, with that, we get to our news Two big news stories here. First one is uh, Devin Leary is expected. Folks, underline the word expected. Expected transfer to Kentucky. Of course, uh, you're losing Will Levis at quarterback, supposedly on Todd McShay's, you know, top five uh, guys, you know, to get drafted. I, I think it's a load of garbage, but of course, we'll get to that in, in the offseason uh, a little more. But Devin Leary... Uh, expected to transfer to Kentucky. What do you think this means for Mark Stoops? Uh, and what does this mean for for Kentucky? I think uh, you got a guy who's a field general, and, and what does this do? I mean, you get Will Levis, who was kind of uh, a talent there, and you come in with another 
high power thrower. Yeah, I mean, if you just go back to a week ago on the show, we listed three teams, and one of those teams were not listed, and they were the outside looking in. And look who's going to hit them. Kentucky is going to be the outside looking in. Now they hit the jackpot hit for Mark Stoops. I mean, Mark Stoops is definitely one of the most underrated coaches in all of the SEC. I think that Kentucky has been more one of those consistent programs. I mean, 7-5, and five, they had that really good season when they went to a bowl game facing off against Penn State. Uh, they had Benny Snell, and they also had Juan Robinson uh, come through. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Will, I haven't really been a fan. I mean, I'm not saying that I like to play a Will Love. I just don't understand the hype of him being a top-five draft pick. Uh, but I think that Devin Larry put him in this Kentucky offense. The The ceiling is going to be very high for this Kentucky team. I think that they're – the defense is there. We'll see if Chris Rodriguez uh, comes back. Uh, I think that the wide receiver that they have in place is definitely going to help out Devin Leary. Leary has experience. He has experience playing in the big game. So I think that he, like us, I mean, they see the SEC. They see it as opportunity. Why not go compete against the like of Georgia, against Tennessee, Florida, and the SEC? South Carolina is, is going to be one of those teams next year, especially Spencer Rattler. For his senior year, so Kentucky is going to be one of those uh, dark horse teams uh, once again. I know that Wade was high on him, so I expect him to be high on him once we get in, into uh, next season's talk. But definitely a big get there for Devin Leary. There's going to be no drop off from this Kentucky offense. Even could be a even an improvement for this Kentucky offense. It might be. We will see what comes of the Kentucky Wildcats in next season if they land this big transfer. Uh, of Devin Leary getting to another transfer. This one is uh, present now happening. Uh, Drew Pine is transferring to Arizona state Uh, man. What in the world, Tyler? I'm just, I'm taken back by some of these. Uh, I, maybe it's the whole underdog mentality and let's, let's go from zero to hero real quick. Uh, Cause this seems like what's going to happen here with Drew Pine. I, I, where is he from? Is he from that area? I, I'm not I, sure. This definitely surprises me. I thought that Wisconsin made the more sense. You know, Luke Fickle, I know that he was one of the, the key recruiters of Drew Pine. So that's why I was really, you know, he did, was just a prototypical Wisconsin quarterback. I was just shocked that he transferred for Notre Dame uh, in the first place. I know that Notre Dame does have coming in in their recruiting class, but I mean, you already got a guy that led your team to an eight and two season. I mean, he, Notre Dame, for dead in the in the beginning of the season we were talking about them shooting where are they even going to make a bowl game look at them now they're playing uh in a solid bowl game uh the gator bowl against uh, south carolina so drew pine going to arizona state i just don't know what's there for arizona state i mean arizona state is really on the same level of colorado right now i mean they just got rid of their head coach herm edwards this season and I, i'm not sh- even sure that they named their next uh head coach I haven't really seen anything uh, around in that. So that definitely surprises me. Uh, I'll definitely uh, look up, uh, you know, as we talk more about this, where Drew Pine is, if he's from the West Coast, then that definitely makes more sense. Uh, but we are seeing, like, a lot more backs going from, you know, these Midwestern schools and saying, like, all right, we're go to the, let me go to the Pac-12 and, you know, some Heisman numbers. So this is definitely a surprising landing spot, uh, but definitely uh, Arizona State, Drew Pine going into that offense. I mean, the future is going to be bright for that Sun Devil program. Absolutely. Uh, And, of course, we do have one question. Uh, Our question is presented 
by Yeti if you guys want to go over there so and he's get all Connecticut, so not even close. <laughs> oh wow, he's from yeah, he's from the other side of the country. It doesn't make any sense there. Go back to you, Condru Uh no. <laughs> uh all the best of luck to him at Arizona State. No, I'm just kidding. Uh try to get that program back up there. Of course, our question is brought to you by Yeti if you guys want to go over there and get all of your cooler needs and drinkware needs over at Yeti. If you guys spend $200 over there, uh, you do get a free Rambler. Of course, I have a couple of Ramblers. I love them. They're great. Uh, I take them on the go wherever I'm going, adventuring, throwing them off the side of a cliff, as Tyler uh, wants me to do. So, I mean, that's 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 what I do. I adventure, and I, I have fun with it. But, no, uh, I take them on trips, things like that. They hold up great. Uh, Yeti's all, Yeti always has most durable and great products over there. Uh, for all of your adventuring needs, uh, your tailgating needs, whatever it may be. Maybe, you know, maybe some more will float up in Alaska and Tyler and I can take a little excursion up there and go pick one up. Uh, but if you guys do go there, you do get a free Rambler with that. You guys can use the link down below in our show uh, to go over there, help support us uh, and try to grow the show. We're growing left and right, man. We are with belly up. It has been great so far growing this program. Uh, up from the ground up especially from last year doing it on our own things uh and we fell asleep in the off season but here we are we're back um we're staying with it through the off season guys we are committed to it and we hope you guys can come over and spend some time with us on the show getting to the question to close out our show tyler the first question is what is the best bowl game name tyler what is your best bowl game name that you have seen or heard or you know anything smell you know you name it well the past i've had this uh, in the question and my answer was always the bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl well now the the gasparilla bowl doesn't have that and now the bad boy mowers is the pinstripe bowl that just doesn't really the same so the gasparilla bowl and bad boy mowers are just the clash of tales uh, but i'm actually gonna go out uh, go i don't really know if this classifies out west but i'm gonna go till Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I mean, I don't know if you like the listeners and viewers go look at this logo. I mean, it's just oh my gosh, this is going to be plastered on midfield. I could already see it already. It's Pittsburgh and UCLA this year. Like, what a matchup that is. And you have Tony the Tiger, like, they're great. So, this bowl game, not only is it great, I mean, you can't get much better than that. That's, I mean, the Sun Bowl, it used to be. Hyundai, uh, the car company, so they definitely uh, did a good job of putting it Tony the Tiger. So that is definitely uh, the top of my list. Uh, for me, it's going to be a pretty good one. I, I feel like this game uh, is right there amongst the sleeper games, but the the, the name of the, the bowl uh, has a lot of hidden meaning because somebody in the stands always has a great time with this. Um, and that being the Duke's Mayo Bowl, uh, folks, I don't know what got into some of those people last year, but that man ate an entire jar. I'm, I'm not talking small jar. I'm talking like the giant ones you get from Sam's Club or where Costco, you name it. This man just had a spoon and was just feeding himself mayo straight out of thing. That was the nastiest thing I've ever seen. Um, Number one, I don't know if I would even eat. I don't even think I've seen a bottle of Duke's Mayo before, but it, it just, golly, something about doing that is just stupid. I don't mind putting mayo like a little bit on a sandwich. I just can't overpower it like that. That just seems like a lot. 
Uh, well, tradition uh-huh. started up in that bowl game last year. Whenever South Carolina and Shane Bieber won, they poured mayo. It was uh, after the. It wasn't after the game. It was like after his press conference. And then they, uh, you know, the Duke's Mayo Bowl Twitter tweeted out like the same agreement. It's going to be like I'm already seeing all the comments to be like this needs to be like on the field. Like I just can't imagine being dumped with mayo. <laughs> I hate mayo, and the smell of mayo is absolutely terrible. So I cannot imagine, you know, the the stink of that for you know trying to get all the mayo out your hair and out your clothes. I mean, that would just be a disaster in the laundry room. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> funny. It's great. I think it's good. Uh, but, of course, we said, what is the best bowl game name? Folks, if you have other names out there that you think are a better name, please let us know. There are also a bunch of iconic <laughs> ones in there over the years named after stadiums they're played in or just years of it being there, uh, and it's really turned into a great time. One in New Orleans with the Sugar Bowl. Uh, the Cotton Bowl in Texas, the Rose Bowl out west in Pasadena. There's a bunch of great ones out there. So if you guys want to let us know what your favorite bowl game is, uh, please let us know down below in the comments or shoot us a message on Twitter or, you know, all of our social medias. Uh, Last bonus question, Tyler. What is our bonus question as we close out the show? Well, it's the Christmas season and Christmas week. uh, Like you mentioned earlier in the show, we are – Exactly five days out, and if you're listening to this, uh, I'll probably uh, releasing it four on tomorrow night, which will be Wednesday. I'll, I will definitely uh, put that on on our platforms wherever you can find your podcast. Uh, so, the question that I have for you and our viewers as well, we always love our viewers and your interaction. So, what is the best Christmas movie, Jacob? Take it away. All right, here's my first joking best Christmas movie, and I feel like you know what's coming. But the best joking Christmas movie is Die Hard. Oh, no, no, I think uh, for me, no, the best Christmas movie uh, for me is probably uh, Home Alone. It is just iconic. I think it's great. It's a good laugh. It's a family friendly movie. Great one. Uh, Yes. Home Alone with young (laughs) Joe Burrow. I agree with you, Chet. Fantastic. Uh, You can't even spell Jesus Bowl right either. It's with a Z, Chet. Get it right. (laughs) It's a Z, sir. Would you like to see? Would you like to see how it's spelled, Chet? It is spelled like that. (laughs) But uh, is that like the great commercial of the bowl season of that? I woke up feeling coach. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I think it's uh, a great movie. I love Home Alone. Of course, uh, you've had some guest appearances in it that are funny. in some of the sequels and things, but it, I think the originals are the best. The original is the best. Um, but yeah, it's gotta be mine. Yeah. I mean, that's up there uh, for me. And like my mom said, I know Tyler's choice. And that's probably right. I'm going to go with elf. I mean, any movie with Will Ferrell is going to be the top of my list. That is definitely he back. by far. He is the funniest man alive. I mean, that, <laughs> it's just a tough movie to describe there's just like so many scenes that i reference to like throughout the christmas season like 10 a.m tomorrow let's say <laughs> down and then there's just like so many it's just a funny movie but one is also iconic as well just like the storyline of that like he like gets left at home because like the night before they're like oh we hate this kid we hate this kid like i wish that you wouldn't wouldn't be like my parents anymore well that he got his wish so the fact like just the way that he like defended the house like it was just such an iconic scene and there's just like scenes of like going to that like i would think it was like a drugstore he ended up shoplifting 
toothbrush. And then this man goes out and buys groceries uh, on his own. So I think that's also a great movie as well. But Elf and Home Alone are my top two for sure. Yeah, they uh, there's some good ones. I, Will Ferrell is hilarious. Like with his movie with Step Brothers is fantastic. Uh, I've watched Step Brothers. I think it was last week. Uh, that movie is always great. It's just Will Ferrell makes the stupidest movies and the funniest <laughs> ones. They're just they're dumb stupid, uh, and they're just dumb funny. Like that's what it is. So I, I feel it, it's great. So uh, Adam Sandler doesn't dip too much into the Christmas. Uh, he really movies. needs to, though. Yeah, he needs to, and we haven't seen him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think there's some great movies. Elf is a good movie as well. So, I, Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Buddy the Elf, what is your favorite color? I love it. Oh, gosh. But as for Christmas, of course, you guys know Christmas is five days away. Uh, we will have another show after Christmas, our post-Christmas show, uh, full of all the lovely goodies that we will be eating on Christmas uh, and of all the lovely family time that we'll be having. We hope you guys spend all the time with your family uh, and enjoy the holidays as well. Stay warm. I know it's going to be pretty cold throughout the country, Yeah, uh, especially down here, Tyler. I know we're looking into the teens. We're getting to tonight, the 30s so. high and uh, feels yeah, like of low in the single digits, which is definitely very uncommon down here in the South. Yeah, so you're going to have some folks uh, bringing out uh, bubble wrap and you name it to keep themselves warm down here. So uh, everybody have a great Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. And we will see you guys soon after Christmas. Thank you, Miss Michelle. I uh, appreciate that. But, oh, uh, gosh. That's going to be fun. Yeah, Chad, I'm sorry, buddy. You're moving to 15-degree weather. Good luck, man. I, I do not envy you, but uh, – have fun with that. Stay warm, buddy. We'll talk soon. But uh, Tyler, uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas, bud. We will see you uh, after the holidays, ready to conjure up some more college football because I know we got some games to talk about, some big ones, some semifinal games, and, of course, the national championship coming up after the first of the year, after the new year. So uh, we will see you guys then. Of course, if you want to catch any more of the content, you guys can check out Sports Scramble. We record that on Sunday nights. Last night, great – or sorry – Two nights ago. God, everything's tying together. Uh, but that was on Sunday night. If you guys want to go check that out, a lot of good content over there from us. Uh, if you guys want to check out any more of the College Football Coast to Coast show here with me and Tyler, it is on Monday afternoons. Kind of an exception this week. Tyler was working. I was working, so we had to kind of do it. We're busier on the holidays, especially with some games coming up. Uh, and then, of course, we have SEC talk. Is that tonight, Tyler? Uh, no show until the January uh, first uh, Tuesday on January bowl season a play out we already did our little bowl preview whenever uh, all the sec teams are done we'll recap that the bowl season and uh start to look ahead at the championship especially if georgia's there which i think they will be yeah we reckon that they'll probably be there in the end but if you guys want to go check out sec talk you guys can see them after the first of the year everyone have a merry christmas we will see you guys right after uh to recap some great bowl games coming up and to get to some more as we close out this great season 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.